Welcome to a Better Divorce Podcast, where we have conversations about the emotional, financial, and legal issues that are on your mind or should be on your radar if your goal is to keep your divorce out of court. I'm collaborative divorce attorney and mediator Andrea Vaca, and I know that how you divorce matters to your long-term well-being. That's why it's my mission to help you have a better divorce with as little acrimony as possible so that you can create the best life possible on the other side of your marriage. All right. Hi. Hello, everyone. This is Andrea Vaca, and I'm happy to have Aviva Pinto here today. Aviva is a managing director at Wealthspire Advisors in New York. It's a $20 billion registered investment advisory firm. Aviva works with divorcing individuals to determine the most appropriate course of action for their finances to help them feel confident for the future. She's a certified divorce financial analyst, a certified divorce specialist, and on the finance council of Forbes.com. Aviva, welcome to a Better Divorce podcast. I'm so happy you could join me today. Thank you, Andrea. I'm thrilled to be here. So Aviva, you've been working with divorcing clients for many years and at all stages of the process. So in your experience, what would be advice that you would give someone to take control of their finances before, before the divorce, during and after? So let's start before the divorce process, what would, okay. what should people do? What should they know? Okay, so people come to me, as you said, in various stages. The ones that come to me before they start the divorce, sometimes they haven't even hired their matrimonial attorney, collaborator, or mediator. They are just looking to see, you know, can I get divorced? Do I have enough money to get divorced? What's going to happen? Um, they're also afraid because a lot of times they're not the moneyed spouse, meaning they're not the ones that were managing the money. They don't know about the bills being paid. You know, everybody in a relationship has a role to play. So you may be the one that's taking out the trash. I may be the one feeding the cats and dogs. Everybody's got a role in the relationship. And it doesn't mean that you don't know how to do something. It's that you have chosen not to do a particular function. So what I find is that a lot of the people that come to me prior to the divorce are the ones that are not the moneyed spouse that don't know what's going to happen financially. I tell everybody that divorce, as you well know, is two things. One's the money and the other is custody. So what you need to do is you need to focus on those two things. And on the money side of things, when you're contemplating a divorce, it's very important to pull together as much information as you can find. A lot of times, once the divorce commences, information has a way of disappearing, like poof, gone, and you can't get to it. While you're still married, you have access to all the joint accounts. You have access to the computers. You have access to the mail that comes in every day. So what I tell my clients is that prior to a divorce, it's important to get everything together. And you're looking for bank statements. You're looking for investment uh, brokerage statements. You are looking for mortgage payments. You're looking for how much does it cost to keep the electric on, to pay the water, to mow the lawn, all of the things that go into your day-to-day living. Because once you do commence the action and you do need to separate the assets, we're going to have to sit down and say, how much does it cost you to live? And will you have that much 
to live on going forward. And as you know, one pot of money that was handling two people or four people or six people in a household will now have to be split. And you're gonna have to have two households and that same pot of money. So sometimes it's an eye opener, but the best thing to do prior to starting um, down the road of going to see whether you can split up a relationship is pulling together all the information that you can. So it's getting educated. It's really finding, figuring out how you've been living, how things have been paid for, where things are held, it's not about it's not about not trusting. You just don't know. You might not know. <laughs> you might have handled certain assets in certain parts of the finances and not the other. So or none of none of the finances at all. But even if you did handle all the finances, you might just not have been paying that much attention to how everything has been working. So Exactly right. Really and a lot of people don't they don't live on a budget you know it's like they know how much comes in they know you know they're staying within their means etc but when i ask somebody the first thing that you're going to do when they sit down with you which is the intermediate stage they've hired somebody first thing you're going to do is ask them to fill out their statement of net worth and it is 15 pages and absolutely daunting and people look at it like deer in a headlights like oh my god i don't want to fill this thing out they're asking for things like where everything is, like, you know, where is your bank account held? What is the balance? When did it start? Did you take anything out of it? Did you add anything to it? Do you have a life insurance policy? Do you have a health insurance policy? Do you have car insurance? On and on and on and on. And, you know, if you're going through the emotional wrenching of going through a divorce and breaking up relationships and you're not a financial person, it's the last thing you're going to want to fill out. You don't want to so, do it when things are good. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, you know, it's daunting. It's like I tell people the analogy I make is, you know, I'm great at finance. I'm great at pulling these things together. I can do it very, very quickly. But when I go to my remote control and I want to watch my program and there are six remote controls in front of me, I haven't a freaking clue which one to pick up. And I keep telling my kids, my husband, I want that one button where I can push that says Aviva's program, right? It's the same thing with filling out that statement of net worth. It's not something you've done before. It's asking asking for a ton of information. And so I like to hold clients' hands, go through it together, figure out what they need, what they have, what they're looking for. And at that point, you can make phone calls. If you don't have your tax return from last year, right. you can get from the IRS. If you don't have your year-end credit card bills, which tells you a ton of information of what you're spending annually in each category, so you call the credit card company and you ask them to give you a year-end statement. All the things that are online that you may not have access to because you don't know the password, your name's on the accounts. You can call up all these utilities, et cetera, and get the information that we need. So, you know, it's a great thing to do. Like you said, you get educated and you start getting organized yeah. and organization is key. And then you can think better when now you're in the process, whether you're now in going into the mediation process or you're choosing the collaborative divorce process or you're negotiating an agreement or you have to go to court. You've now done so much legwork. You have a you know where you stand. You have a little you're I see clients who have done this preparation. They're just standing in a more in a more stable place and they can make decisions and make requests 
knowing why they're why they're reacting and responding and requesting what they're you know looking for. Um, it's not just based on feelings; it's based on facts. So you're you're starting your the process off in a much better way. So let's talk about during the divorce process. Now somebody's in the process. Okay. What else could they be doing to take control of the financial of their financial situation, of their financial where you know, getting more wherewithal and making smart decisions? So during the process, um, you know, that's when they're filling out their statement of net worth. But it's also very important to pull together a budget and see what are you spending now and what do you anticipate spending once the divorce is over. It's also important to take a look at how things are titled. So if you have accounts that are in your name only, were they used for marital assets? If you have a prenuptial agreement, what does it say, right? How much are you going to be guaranteed based on that prenup? Is there something in the prenup where we can go back and say, hey, you know, this was written 20 years ago and that's when circumstances were very, very different. And now, you know, what we want to do is try and negotiate for a little bit more because, you know, my standard of living has changed tremendously from where it was when I first signed this document or I signed it under duress. I don't even remember signing this thing. You know, why, why do I have to be held to it? So we look at the prenup. We look at how assets are titled. We look at what was inherited. We look at if there is trusts involved. Um, we go through like all of the assets that a person has, and that includes wine collections. It includes jewelry. It includes cars. It includes you know if they've got. Sometimes people have airplanes and boats. I mean, it's just you know it runs the gamut. So what you have to do is take a look at each individual, look at what they have, and then go through all of their budgeting and see how much are they spending now and what can be get gotten rid of if it looks like they're not going to be able to live the same lifestyle that they were prior to the divorce. And we do a financial plan for them. And what the financial plan is, is a roadmap. And it shows you where you are today, where you need to get to, and people are living long time. So 95 is what I put into my plans. I have a lot of people that say to me, oh, I'm never going to live to 95. Well, then, you know, I find out their their uh, their mother is 102. So, you know, longevity needs to be taken into account. We also take into account inflation. You know, right now we're in a very high and rising inflationary environment, but you have to put inflation in because a dollar you spend today is not going to be going to buy the same amount a dollar, you know, 10 years from now. So we put in, we put in longevity, we put in inflation, their risk tolerance. There are some people that say, I am never going to buy a stock in my life. And then I have to show them that they need these assets to grow. And the only way they're going to grow is they're going to have to take a little bit of risk. They don't have to throw it all into stocks, but they will need some in order to get to where they want to be. And so what we do is we take into consideration their risk tolerance, their liquidity, their um, their needs, and we put together a financial plan showing them how they're going to live once all of these things are in place. And we make assumptions. And I talk to the matrimonial attorney, the collaborator, the mediator. We come up with what is a likely scenario for this divorce? How much can we really think in terms of this person is going to be entitled to in the divorce. Mm -hmm. And then that's what we put into the plan. And sometimes it's shocking to people that they're going to have to downsize or sell the house, which is normally the largest asset that people have, 
or they, you know, are may have to go back to work. And, you know, sometimes that's very shocking. So, you know, we we understand that these things aren't always pleasant. If you're working with very, very, very high net worth people, I mean, sometimes they're shocked that they're not gonna be able to, you know, fly, you know, on their private plane anymore. So, you know, no matter where you are, and as far as, you know, a modest income to extremely, extremely high living, there's always trade-offs that are going to have to be made. Exactly. It, because if you've been living to the lifestyle of what you've been earning, that will not be possible once you're in two homes. If you've been saving a lot, living under your means as a family, as a couple, you're going to be, no matter what your level of income is, the divorce will be easier. And most people don't live that way, especially in this city of ours. Like, <laughs> you make it, you spend it, you know. So um, any final, I mean, so during the process, from what I'm hearing, and from what I've experienced in working with you and, you know, in, in being in the divorce world for 30 years now, during the divorce, it's about... We started at five, didn't we, Andrea? Yeah, five years old, that's right. <laughs> um, we um, we want to understand what is likely, where they want to be, can they get there, if not what has to change, what... And so those assumptions are very important. And, and what I end up doing on my side, and you are too, you're, you're doing it from the financial, we're, we're asking a lot of those questions about what do you imagine your life to be? Where would you like to live? How would you like to live? You know, th these questions are so important so that you come to an agreement, hopefully, and not have a judge do this for you, you come to an agreement that will work and be able to support you in whatever that lifestyle is. And if not, like you said, know what you will be adjusting so that again, you can look at this realistically. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just awareness, you know, showing them the numbers, showing them what it's going to look like, making them aware of what they can and can't afford going forward. And, you know, if there, if there have to be trade-offs. So I think, you know, going back to what your first point was on the education, it really is, it's educating them. And then once they have that knowledge, empowering them to use it in the right way. Right. Right, shining a light where it needs to be shown. And and then after a divorce, so now somebody's worked with you, they they've gone through the process, they're they're divorced, they have them, they've gotten their division of their assets, they know where they'll be living. You know, how, how what what advice do you have for them on taking control of their finances at that point? So at that point, it's really important to maintain your budget. Mm -hmm. I find a lot of people, they'll get their settlement and it's a huge lump sum of money. And the first inclination is, oh my God, I'm rich, I'm gonna spend this. And I say, hold on a minute, you know, this has gotta last you until you're 95 years old. So let's, you know, pull back and say, let's pull out that budget that we wrote. And, you know, this is how much you can spend on vacations. And this is how much you can spend on entertainment. And this is how much you're going to need for, you know, kids education and, you know, those other things and groceries and oil for your car and, you know, all of, all of those mundane things that we need to spend money on. So the most important thing once they get their settlement is sitting down with them and going over the budget again and dotting the I's and crossing the T. And the first year is really important because that's when you're actually living it. So all the assumptions that we made ahead of time were, okay, if I'm going to stay in this house, I know what the costs are associated with this house. But if I'm moving to another place, I can estimate what my costs are gonna be, but they may not be that 
you know, what we had estimated. So the first year is very, very important to stay with that budget and stay on budget and make sure that you're meeting those goals. We also pull out the financial plan again and we say, okay, this is the plan that we set in place based on these assumptions of what you were getting. Now we have the actuals. The money has been transferred over. Now we're going to invest based on the asset allocation that we came up with that was appropriate for you. And then we look at what's going on in the market. And if the market is tumbling or going crazy, et cetera, then we put in place, you know, maybe we should dollar cost average in. And we put a little to work this month and we put a little to work next month. And so we talk about how comfortable they are with investing the money and how fast it gets invested. And then it's a matter of tracking everything. Now, staying on top of the budget, staying on top of the financial plan. You don't write a financial plan once, you go back to it all the time because circumstances change. And so maybe you do go back to work and you've got a job. Well, now your income's going up. Or maybe, you know, you, you've decided that you're going to sell the house and downsize. Well, then, you know, that you get the money from the larger house and you can put it towards a smaller house and then maybe your mortgage costs go down. So it's really, it's a iterative process and it continues. So I stay very involved with the clients, you know, before, during, and after the divorce, and they become a client of mine for life because I'm helping them manage their finances going forward. And you built that relationship and you've been there from the beginning or at least the middle, and they know that you know what, what they've gone through and what they've been dealing with, and, and they could trust you that you've developed this relationship that will continue, which is very, very helpful for, because it's very hard to know who you can trust to talk about your finances. So especially when you have a lot of money that you didn't have or didn't have complete control over, and now you do. So they're right. in a very- and You need place. somebody You need somebody who understands the divorce process. You need somebody who is empathetic and sympathetic. And sometimes you need somebody that can give a little tough love. Like, no, you can't go out and buy that. That wasn't on the budget. So, you know, there's, there's times where I have to act like the mother right. and uh, <laughs> tell them what they can and cannot do. But then there are other times where I say, hey, you know what? You've been sticking to your budget so well and the market's done well and you've got a little extra. So, you know, maybe maybe take a little longer vacation. So there's, you know, there's upside as well. Exactly. We, we look for those upsides. So, all right. So we talked about when somebody working with you before the divorce, um, but as a certified divorce financial analyst, when do you suggest somebody who's contemplating divorce first start working with a CDFA? When is the best time? Um, so I think if somebody, you know, the, it, it's going to, depend on the person. But if somebody doesn't know a lot about the divorce process and doesn't know a lot about their own finances, then the very first time you start thinking about it is really when you should reach out and talk to somebody. I mean, I you can make the analogy like, you know, when you have a drip in your sink, do you want to wait for the whole faucet to blow up or do you want to start calling the plumber, you know, when it first starts dripping? If I turn the, the faucets and nothing happens, you know, then there's a bigger problem than, you know, <laughs> I need I need somebody who's a professional who can help me with it. And so if I don't know about a particular subject and I want to have somebody and like I said, divorce is money and custody. So if I don't know the money side of things, you know, I may know what I want to do with my kids or how we're going to work it out, et cetera. But I don't know about the money side of it. The earlier you get to somebody who can help you with it, the better. 
Now, if you are on top of your finances, know everything, can do your statement of net worth, et cetera, go ahead, hire whoever you're going to hire to help you and then work with somebody you know, to help you with uh, splitting up the assets and those types of things. You're going to need a wealth manager going forward. And generally, if you're the non-moneyed spouse, you're not going to be wanting to work with the person that your spouse was working with. So... You know, it, it's an opportunity to bring in somebody new who can help you and who has your best interests at heart. So develop that relationship earlier. You know, as, as a divorce attorney and mediator, uh, very often people come to me and they're even if they are the money, what we call the money spouse, they might not have all the information. Um, and it does take the pro makes the, it slows the process down. So if you're if you if you're if you're the person contemplating the divorce. You haven't maybe told your spouse yet. What I'm hearing from you is that you agree with me. Start reaching out now. If you want things to move fast when it does get started, get educated, do the work. When you think you, you know, when when you start thinking about this, I I'm working with somebody right now who is thinking about letting their spouse know in about 10 months that they want a divorce. They don't want to do it yet. That they want to wait for certain things to happen in the family and with the children before they make this announcement, but they're getting prepared. And they're getting prepared now by gathering all the information, getting in, you know, getting clear on the financial issues, getting clear on where they might want to live, doing that research. I give this person a lot of credit for doing this planning work. Not yeah, I think I think that's fabulous. Them. Yeah. Not to take anything away from their spouse or do anything underhanded, just to be prepared so that they're ready to move forward when they're ready to move forward. Absolutely. And the same thing with, um, you know, looking for an attorney or somebody that's going to help you on the legal side of things, you know, go out and talk to a few people. You know, I know you do consultations, you know, you'll speak to somebody and you can give them information. And that's, you know, just arming yourself with information is the best thing that you can do, because then you're going into it with your eyes wide open and you know what to expect. So we've talked so much about all the things you should do. <laughs> so I have to ask you, what are some things that people shouldn't do or what mistakes have you seen that people have made at okay. stages of the process around finding? Okay. There, there are a few things. Um, one of the obvious things is um, socking away money from a joint account and dissipating the assets because that's going to raise a red flag. Um, you know, if you have not filed for divorce yet and all of a sudden the accounts are being depleted, you know, you're, you're kind of like advertising, hey, you know, I'm doing something nefarious over here. Um, if you are in the middle of the divorce and you're pulling assets out of joint accounts, it's going to come back to bite you on the other side. You're going to have to return uh, that money to your other spouse. So I see, I see those mistakes make, made. The other thing I see is that people not looking at tax ramifications when they're splitting assets, and that can be huge. So for example, if you have an account where you have you know, lots and lots of shares of Apple and, and Microsoft and all these stocks that you bought a long, long time ago at a very low price. And now all of a sudden, you know, years and years and years later, they have appreciated and they are worth a lot of money. And if you say to your spouse, oh, okay, well, you know, what, I, what I'll do is, um, you know, they'll just uh, give you the stocks and you will give them the equivalent cash from the account. Well, the how? You're yeah. left with the same amount based on what the market is. So 
so let, let's just say, for example, a million dollars of cash and a million dollars of stock. But that million dollars of stock started out as $100,000. So now you have a $900,000 gain of that stock. Now, your spouse has a million dollars, can go and do whatever they want with it. It's liquid money. In order for you to use that million dollars of stock that you have, you're going to have to sell. And when you sell, you are going to in incur capital gains. So that trade, while it may look like a million and a million, that trade is not a good trade because you're being left with a ton of tax implications from that. So when we look at accounts, we have to make sure that it's fair the way we're splitting things and not just look at it, oh, well, that's worth a million, that's worth a million. The other thing is the house. There are a lot of times when people will say to me, you know, well, my house is worth a million dollars. And I'll say, well, do you have a mortgage on that house? And they'll say, well, I don't know. And I say, well, let's find out because if there's a mortgage on the house, then you're gonna have to pay off that mortgage. You may sell that house for a million dollars, but if you have a $400,000 mortgage on that house, you're only gonna walk away with $600,000. So it's very important to understand what the ramifications are from the split of assets. And those are some of the mistakes I see a lot. Yeah. And I, and when people try to do it themselves, do it, you know, and they try to come to an agreement, I give people a lot of credit. They want to try to come to an agreement, not have to use lawyers or use the lawyers limited or try to, you know, they, they're smart. They, they, they're respectful of each other. Let's try to work this out. And then, but they don't know what they don't know. And then they find out, no, you can't exchange this asset for that. Apples and oranges, there's usually a difference in tax ramifications. Like I see this all the time and we have to like slow things down, make sure these things are being considered and that there are offsets if necessary, like trading an IRA for an investment account or trading a 401k for the home or a pension or whatever it may be. Um, the tax ramifications have to be considered and your attorneys can't give you that advice. All right. We are not tax lawyers. We're not tax professionals. We're divorce lawyers. You need to have a financial professional giving you this advice on the taxes. So absolutely agree. Eva, you're very needed in that way. So, um, so this I think brings us to the end of our conversation. So as I'm asking all my guests, what I'd like the final question here is what's one tip that you can provide to help a couple or an individual ensure that they'll have a better divorce? So the one thing I can say, and it's got nothing to do with finances, is be kind. The amount of vitriol that I see in divorces and you see in divorces you're fighting one another and it's going to do a number of things. Number one, it's gonna impact your children if you have children. Number two, it's gonna impact the amount of time that the divorce is gonna to take to get done. And that's gonna rack up a lot of money. And number three, you're not gonna to come to a great agreement if you're trying to get the other person. So my advice is just try and be kind and make it go smoother. I love that tip. Thank you so much. You know, there's a saying, um, resentment is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Same. And so that's what I was thinking about when you were talking. So being kind, you're being kind to yourself as well. You yes. know, expect the best from yourself and from others. And so thank you, Viva. It's a wonderful tip and it applies to everything. 
So thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. It went so fast. I know. Here we are. So thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Andrea Vaca with the Better Divorce Podcast. See you at the next time. You've been tuning in to another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast with Andrea Vaca. Thank you for subscribing, leaving your positive comments and reviews, and sharing the show with others. You can watch episodes at vacalaw.com, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And you can listen through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Bye for now. And remember, you can have a better divorce.